AJ Jones, episode 247. Oh, dear. Yes. I'm a little excited. And so you must sing. Uh, you can't lock this up? No. I've, got I've tried. <laughs> how the heck are you? I'm good. Um, how was vacation? Oh, well, uh, it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> yeah. We're recording this episode before we go on podcast. Nope. Nope. We're recording this episode before we go on vacation, which yes. you can tell me the vacation because we can't spoke proper. Uh, so we're going to pass over to future Alan and AJ to find out how our vacation was. Well, that's a good idea. We're back from Universal Studios. Disney. Oh, that's right. Disney. Completely <laughs> forgot. <laughs> I was like, wait, what are you talking about? We had an amazing time at Disney World with our kids. In fact, we had such a good time at Disney World. The next episode of the podcast is all going to be about our family trip to Disney World. Yeah. So you, you can skip it if you're not into hearing a family trip to Disney World. Uh, it gets super nerdy and technical, thanks to my wife where we we spend a lot of the episode protesting that we're not disney nerds and then get fairly nerdy well i don't remember me ever saying i wasn't a disney nerd i think you're the only one that's claimed that hmm. yeah Did but i'm a not time? a disney nerd yes yes i had a wonderful time it was so great and we got hats matching hats we did on the very first day i did an instagram story about this but on our very first day we took our kids to buy like i don't know if that's our family tradition we went and bought like we disney always go hats. and get a hat yeah uh, because, of course, Florida, keep yeah. the sun off your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I found this uh, Disney dad hat, and Tia found a Disney kid hat, and we searched high and low for a Disney mom hat, which we could not find. Right, and, anywhere. And my first suspicion was, well, perhaps that's because Disney doesn't really like moms. Right, because most Disney characters, like most Disney princesses, don't have moms. Or if they do, they're evil stepmothers. Right. And if they had nice ones, they all died, and that's part yes, of their story that's right. Arc. The moms are dead. So, try as yeah. we might, we couldn't find any. Uh, but undeterred, we eventually <gasps> found one. In fact, we found eight. The eight remaining ones at Disney sold out online. There's only eight available at Disney. And then we spent like an hour driving around trying to... Because the, the parks were closing. Somebody in one of the stores helped us. Yeah, they looked up the SKU and they said, it's at this resort. So then we had to drive to the resort. They yeah. wouldn't let us in because we weren't resort guests. So we had to sweet talk the parking person, security person, and say, please, we're just trying to get this one hat. Mm -hmm. And uh, anyway, he like took my ID and all this stuff. And then we like drove in and it was the wrong contemporary resort. But, but that they helped you. Yeah, didn't thankfully they? the woman there, she managed another store and she said, I know exactly where they are and we have that. I'm gonna call my employee right now and they put them aside. So we drove even further. Yeah. And to another you got place. This. The trouble is, like my little ears, they often go back, so now I look like, more like a rat. Like a rat than or a, an angry mouse. Yeah. An angry mouse. mouse. But we had a great um, time. We did. Yeah. yeah. You'll hear all about it next week. Such a good time. Really, really fun. Now back to past Alan and AJ. See ya. Our main topic for this week yes. comes from that beautiful list that our Instagram followers sent us about things they would like me to write a book and on. And we're running out of things on we that are. list. So if we got, actually need got, some more topics yep. sent in. Yeah, we'll post something on Instagram and collect more topics to talk about. Yeah. But we cheated. We said we'd write books about this. So far, none of us have written any books, but you have provided us with a plethora of topics. The topic for this week is conversations that brought about more of God. Or like more revelation of God, an aspect of God we didn't know about, or perhaps an aspect of ourselves. Just general understanding that came out of conversation. And I was thinking about that today. I was thinking in the Gospels, and I haven't done an exhaustive like biblical study on this, but from memory, it would appear that there are far more conversations that Jesus had that were recorded than sermons that he preached. Yes. I would agree. And I was thinking about the power of transformation of a conversation, the intimate nature of a conversation. Mm -hmm. It's funny, we, AJ and I had dinner, uh, a meal this week with some of our graduates. We were talking to them, we were literally having a conversation with them. And at one point they were like, wow, like, you know, that, that's amazing. And I was like, which, which part is amazing? They're like, that thing that you just said, I was like, I said, I'd, like, I'm not trying to shame you in asking my question, but I really am so curious to know. That sounds like that, that's new to you. But that's something we've taught like over and over and over again. You've been through the school for three years. Like, help me understand. They said something fascinating. They said, 
there is a difference between being talked at and talked with. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I thought that dovetailed it does. so nicely Perfectly. with this topic mm-hmm. for this week. So we're just going to talk about, like we sat down, we kind of reminisced a little bit about conversations that had really impacted us over the years. I will admit that I've got a little bit of pre-shame about this because I realized as I was thinking about the people we're going to talk about, this could sound like one big name drop episode. And it's just the reality of our experience that God's been so gracious and connected us with some amazing people in the kingdom. Yeah. And so as we walk down memory lane about conversations with so-and-so, we're honestly not trying to name drop. We're just... Yeah. Some of these people are in deep, close relationships. Some of these people, just by the, the, the virtue of what we do, our paths have crossed. Yeah. But AJ Jones, take it away. Tell us about a conversation that you've had that has changed something about your walk with God. Well, I actually thought of one while I was putting on my lip gloss. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it, it was because I thought of a previous one that was in the same sort of format. But um, when we were youth leaders in Toronto, every once in a while, all the youth leaders would go over to John and Carol's house for a night. And, uh, so wind back the clock. How oh, many years ago is this? So long ago. Come so, on. You're uh, almost 50. How I'm old were you when you were a youth 50, leader? Oh, 20. To 23 so in there. this is 28 yeah like so year old vintage vintage conversation information Take and there's, it away. And there's t- you know these both of these sort of nuggets happened in the same mm-hmm. you know environment i don't know if it was the same night or not but it was in their living room mm-hmm. and which i remember was pink yeah i have no trouble believing that yeah it was pink anyway so this first one i remember you know some of our youth leaders were, well, I was an intense person, but I guess I was just intense about different things. But some of them were really intense about like pre-trib, trib, post-trib, you know, all this kind of stuff. And really wanted to get into that with John. Mm-hmm. And John was, it was interesting because I don't, I just remember him, he's like, you know what, I don't, I don't think I know the answer to that. But I think I'm just going to live full on for God either way and not worry about it. Like, mm. he, I mean, his encouragement was sort of like, I think we can spend so much time, time so much time, I'll be fine, trying to know something uh, and know it like, no, I know that I know. And uh, and he was like, it's kind of wasted energy. Live full, full on for God. Mm-hmm. You know, live loving him with everything that you have. Uh, live like we're still going to be here and, and if we're not great, you know, but, and he's like, of course I'd rather be taken, taken up, but then who gets left here? You know? So he sort of, but I just thought it, it cut across all of this, like need for an answer, need for an answer, need to argue, need to be right, need to whatever. And he's just like, it, it doesn't actually matter. Mm-hmm. Live the same way. Yeah. You know? And I was just like, sounds like vintage John. Right. Okay. And for me, it was super helpful. I was like, oh, yeah, I don't want to major on minor things. Like, I, there's nothing I can do about that. No matter, so, it's not minor things. How the world but, ends yeah, is yeah. not a but minor I mean, thing. But yes, I'm I get your not going to have influence over that. Right. But I have an enormous amount of influence and responsibility over how I live. Sure. So for me, that was just like a super freeing kind of like, oh. And I, I, I think about it fairly often. I'm like, when I feel myself getting super aggravated about something, I'm like, D- in the end, does this actually like matter in terms of mm-hmm. do I need to change how I'm living? You know, or is mm-hmm. so I don't know. That was that was one of the ones that you, came you to me. You said it was a thought that uh, followed up from a previous thought. Was there another like while you're on a John and Carol over at their pink living room house, was there another moment that you thought of of a conversation? Oh yeah. We were talking about Somebody that was sort of new to the youth leadership and didn't really know John and Carol as well as some of the rest of us did made a comment about, hey, you guys are like the same sitting in your living room as you are standing on the platform. Mm -hmm. And they were they both sort of laughed and, you know, gave him a nice smile and whatever. And he's like, yeah, you know, he's like, because, it, you know, Basically, we are the same people at home mm-hmm. that we are at the grocery store, that we are on the platform. It's not a show. It's us getting up and being who God's made us to be and, you know, and hosting the presence of God, essentially. But like it, he's hit. He even went so far as to be like, I would be cautious about people that are different mm-hmm. on the platform than they are off, 
Yeah. And so that was another thing that I sort of... Very early on, before you're even in ministry, you're hearing that's a value. Way before, yeah, way before. And and it's it has stuck with me. Like, oh yeah. Like actually, how real is it if you're not the same person on the platform and off the platform? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how how true am I being to myself? Like am I right? Am I trying to be a super me? Am I trying to fool somebody? Well, especially know? when Paul says emulate me as I emulate Christ. Yeah. Like which part of you should I emulate? The part I see on a Sunday stage? Right. Or how you are the rest of your, your week. Right. So, and, you know, of course, John and Carol consistently demonstrated vulnerability and honesty and just being where they're at. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it, I think it just really helped in setting me up well for ministry. Although at the time that they said it, I had no intention of going into ministry. I was like, but it's still, I retained it. How long was it from those meetings before you did go into ministry? Oh, uh, Gosh, I don't even know. A couple of years at least, four, five, maybe, maybe even more than that. Yeah, it sounds like more. Like you were 22. When did you start going into ministry? Well, I don't know if it, I'm trying to remember. Like, so they did these for a while. So I'm not really sure which one of them. Yeah, was. which which one of them it was. And I'm trying to remember which building we were in, because mm-hmm. uh, I don't think it was the old building. And the old building is when I had that whole. Uh, encounter with James Ryle speaking and realized I and the Lord was like, no, you're going into ministry. Doesn't count because James Ryle, that wasn't a conversation that was a mess. I know, no, no, no. but I'm, I'm saying kidding. I'm trying to track it. Like you're trying to carbon date yourself I, by I'm the trying building to, and I, from the message. And I can't remember. Yeah. So I was thinking, and it's perhaps just because I was hanging out with Gary last night and the night before. So our friend Gary Morgan, you met Gary before I ever did. Yeah. You did a conference with him in, in London. Yeah, and John Mark McMillan. Yeah. And none of us knew each other. The three of you did that conference together. Yeah. You came home, you said, oh, you've got to meet this guy. Yeah. I met him maybe six months after that. Yeah, about that. And I met him in Wales. Mm-hmm. And Gary was the first person I had ever met who was, I don't know if he was the first person I'd ever met who was a prophet. I'd met a couple of prophets before. But he was the first person I'd ever met who was confident that he was a prophet and not enamored with the fact that he was a prophet. Yeah. Like being a prophet was no more significant to him than being a male or being Welsh. Right. Like, or having two eyes. It just like, is it what just it is. It just felt like yeah. the most natural thing. And I was so astonished to be around somebody, A, with such an ex- astonishing gift, and, and B, this kind of like ease with having that gift. And I remember meeting him, and I remember like we hung out the whole day. Oh my gosh, you guys talked like chipmunks on speed in yep. the back seat. Yeah, I just peppered him with every single question I ever wanted to ever ask a prophet. And I was amazed by the answers. Like, I remember asking him, like, so Gary, you know you're a prophet? And he's like, yeah. I was like, and do you know the sphere to which you're called? And he's like, yeah. And I said, and so do you know that you're called as a prophet to the nations? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, but you haven't left Wales. Right. Right, so like, how do you reconcile that? And he's like, well, that's what I'm called to. I'm not there yet. And I, I couldn't get over the fact that he wasn't being braggadocious. He wasn't, uh, he, he just, he wasn't interested in him being a prophet, and yet he was also happy to talk about it. It was just a, this really surreal mix. Yeah. It, it was like I was an alien from another planet and going like, so you have two arms. <laughs> And like you have degrees of motion, like that's a how does that work? And they go up and down, and you know he was fine to entertain this alien species who's fascinated by the limbs of this right. other race. Right. That's what it was like with his gift. And I just remember asking him all these because at that time I was having these kind of emerging prophetic experiences, encounters. I didn't really have any prophets around me to help me understand what was happening. I just remember every question I threw at him, which were admittedly somewhat weird, he wasn't phased by, and he was so kind and calm to just answer them and didn't seem frustrated or bothered by the fact that I was just peppering him with questions. And I think the takeaway for me, the bit that that revealed more about God to me, was how come this kid, because I don't know how old he was. Young. Young. Is so settled and confident in who he is and what he's called to. And I'm not. And yet I'm not short of revelation because I've got lots of stuff that God's told me I am and what I'm called to, but none of it settled in my heart. And I, I was really struck by the peace that he had and out of the peace that he had, the power that he ministered in. Yeah. Which to this day hasn't faded. Like, 
you know, every time I talk to him, he's got a testimony of something God's doing. I, you know, and I, and I, I love that about that. But that was one of the first conversations I ever had with somebody who was confident in who they were and it didn't feel like idolatry or didn't feel like it had to, you know, you have to recognize me as a prophet. Like he, that just didn't, he just didn't. Like, I don't want to run going, you have to accept me as a man. Right. Like that, it just, I just got on with my life with being a man. It's not something I think about. And that's right. what it was like being around this prophet with an extraordinary gift who knew the secrets of people's hearts and was just one man walking revelation. Yeah. Like all the time. Yeah. So, all right, you do one. Okay. I was trying to think. I, I thought of a bunch. Like we were thinking about, like when we were talking about it beforehand, you were saying, babe, like think about different people that have impacted your life. And you said something about Patricia King. And I thought, gosh, I've had like a series of, you know, I have definitely been impacted by her teaching, but much more by conversations, just, you know, over food where she has said something that maybe isn't even that big, but has landed as like a, oh. Because you've had like a 20-year friendship with her. Yes. Yeah. And so tell us some of them. Well, I was thinking when I first um, felt like, oh, you know, the Lord had called me into ministry and whatnot, and I had done this deliverance school with her. Uh, so she had come and taught this like three-week school, and there was about 25 of us on it. It was pretty intense, and it was epic. Uh, but at the end, we were all going to have these deliverance sessions, like two-hour sessions with her uh, or a couple of her different team members. And so I remember going into that, and and she just said, I think the Lord has said that we're not doing deliverance. I'm calling you to life. And so she spent, like, literally the whole session just, call, like, calling me to life prophetically and all this kind of stuff. And so then after that, she had said, you know, whenever I'm in the same town as you, let's have food. Which she was super consistent in, you know, reaching out and saying, hey, I'm coming in. Do you want to get together? Hey, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, like, some of those conversations were things like, I remember uh, having breakfast with her and Ron one morning. Ron's her husband. Ron's her husband. And he's, like, he's quite quiet. And Patricia's quite not. I mean, she's not loud, but, you know, like, she's, uh, she can be. Uh, Anyway, we're in this nice restaurant with white tablecloths and whatever. And, and, uh, I had been in this season where I was studying all of God's generals. Mm -hmm. And so I was reading everything I could about, you know, all these different things. And I had felt like the Lord was talking to me and saying, you are like an Amy Semple McPherson, like you're going to carry the presence of God. You're going to preach, you're going to whatever. And I wasn't doing a ton of that at this point, you know? Uh, and, and so just paint the picture for everybody. What were you doing? You were in middle management and the car rental company. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. you're not in ministry. You're no, just doing, not really. I'm yeah. I'm serving anywhere I can in the church. You know, I'm a youth leader. And you have a regular job. Regular job. Yep. yep. Uh, serving on the ministry team. You know, mm-hmm. just that kind of stuff. Anyway, so we're having this nice breakfast and talking about, you know, what's God talking to you about? And I was like, oh, you know, because uh, Patricia's amazing at asking questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I was like, oh, yeah, talking to me about Amy Simple McPherson. I felt like the Lord said this and whatever. And she was like immediately like, yes. And she was actually my great aunt. And I went to my uncle. I might be getting the wrong. She might be great, great aunt or something like that. But she went to the son of Amy Simple McPherson, who is a family member of hers, and said, I want her mantle. Like, I want you to pray her mantle on me since nobody's, like, picked it up. And so she's telling me this, and she's, like, super excited. And, again, it's a really quiet restaurant with white tablecloths. And then she just stood up, and she's like, and I am going to pray her mantle onto you. And then she just, you know, stood behind me and just started praying, like, super loud. And I thought, oh, like, everybody's looking at us. And I, I literally remember thinking, okay, I have a choice right now. I'm either going to worry about what everybody else in this room is thinking or I'm going to receive something really great. Mm-hmm. And so I remember just being like, all right, here, let's do this. you know." And Ron just kept eating and just sort of smiled. And That's what the um, moment when conversations turn to ministry time, isn't it? <laughs> it, was, it, was inter- it was interesting. Um, and then she just sat down and we just you know, kept talking. Mm-hmm. And there's several like that. Yeah, there was also the one, and I think we've shared about it on the podcast before, Probably. but but 
when I was going through this whole thing of being called as a prophet, like meeting with her for lunch and, you know, her just sitting there and telling me her story and, uh, you know, of being called as a prophet. And then she basically was like, you know. Well, well give, give that story in a nutshell. So then the, her story in a nutshell was that she'd re- she could prophesy, obviously, and she'd received this prophetic word as being f- by a, a recognized prophet saying, you are called as a prophet. Mm-hmm. And so she had decided, she'd been invited to travel with some big um, minister in Europe. And so she was going to go as the prophet and prophesy. And she said, you know, AJ, the whole time that I'm traveling with this guy, it's like for the first five weeks, I'm getting nothing, like nothing. And they end up at the church where this prophet is that called her out. And so she's like, can I talk to you? And so she says, you know, you gave me this word and you know, I haven't been able to get anything and I want to go home and whatever. And basically that, that man had said, well, that's because you haven't actually agreed with the word. Mm. Like you're still not, you're not, you know, you're not saying yes, basically. And so she had said that prophet guy was like, um, Patricia, you're not leaving this room until I hear you say I am a prophet. And so we were talking about that because I was talking to her about how I felt like, oh, it's super presumptuous. Like, yes, I, I have had several different prophets call me out. Yeah, um, many. Many, many. Uh, but still like, oh, it's so presumptuous. I don't want to say that. I, I, it looks bad. I, I, it looks like I'm looking for something. I, You know, so I was like, like a fair amount of fear of man and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, so she told me that story and I was like, wow, that's intense. And she's like, yeah, and he didn't let me leave. And like, right, the meeting is about to start. And, and I'm saying, I got to go. And he's like, and you're not leaving this room until you say, you know, whatever. And she's like, and I said it. And then something shifted and I went out and, you know, whatever. I was like, oh, that's so great. And we needed to leave to go to the airport. Ron was driving me to the airport. And uh, so I was like, you know, I'm so I'm so encouraged. Such Thank a great, you. Great story for because you. Because I wanted, like, I came to sort of share and say, "Here's all these different people that have called me as a prophet. What do you think?" Kind of half thinking she'd go, "Yeah, I think they've missed it." And then I could go, "Oh yeah, good." Mm-hmm. You know. Um. So yeah. So she said, um, "Yeah, you're you're not leaving till you, till you say you're a prophet." And I was, and I'm literally like, "We should have left 20 minutes ago. I got to get to the Phoenix airport, you know, kind of thing." And I was like. Uh, you know, and, and I just started crying cause I was like, Ooh, you know, anyway, so I eventually did say it and she goes, yeah, you're going to need to say that louder. <laughs> so, and there's some other prophet guy who's from Canada and I can't for the life of me remember his name, but he was really lovely, uh, sitting there and he's like, yep, it's going to need to be louder. I said it again. And then the third time that I said it, I, I felt like I heard a balloon pop right behind my head. And uh-huh. as soon as I heard this balloon pop, Patricia goes, you're good. You need to get to the airport. <laughs> Ron just drives me to the airport. And I was like, that was so weird. But she's been one of those people where it's been conversation at yeah. pivotal moments in time. Like she's why we started looking at uh, creating things as schools yep. as opposed to random weekends because she was like hey you can just mm-hmm. build much more on it I encourage you to put your material into like little mini schools for mm-hmm. weekends and whatever so yeah I mean there was she's done a lot of shifting just through conversation for, oh, for us yeah. yeah like we've talked many times about the prophetic word and I don't want to veer into that because it's prophetic words rather than conversation right but she's been hugely influential in shifting seasons in our life yes yeah, yeah. Uh, on the topic of prophets, this is somebody we didn't know didn't know well at all, mm. but we had the privilege of of hearing and sharing some dinners with, and our paths crossed. It's John Paul Jackson. Yes. So John Paul Jackson, one of my favorite prophets, now with the Lord, uh, died a number of years ago, and hugely influential on me. He was the first prophet I ever heard that could teach, and so uh, yeah, great l- Largely, yeah. what I learned about prophetic ministry in Scotland was from John Paul Jackson. I just ordered his tapes and listened to it, and he had the most outrageous stories. But he became friends with a pastor in Scotland, in Edinburgh, and he'd often come through. I didn't know the pastor, but I'd go to the church or I'd go to the conference and I'd hear him. And, and I, uh, this particular story, I got to speak to him while I was in Scotland after a message. And a couple of weeks before John Paul came to this church, I have a dream. Really, and this is probably right at the cusp of me beginning to have dreams and thinking, do I actually hear from God in dreams or am I making this up? Am I just listening to all this stuff and I want to be super spiritual? Blah, 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 blah. And so I have this dream. And in the dream, what was really significant is I meet John Paul Jackson. 
And John Paul Jackson and I are on a train together. John Paul has this beautiful, thick, luscious silver beard, which he didn't. Uh, he didn't at the time. He was completely right. clean shaven. And uh, he wrapped my left foot in silver duct tape. And I, I forget how many times it was. I, rem- I remember how many times he wrapped it. And uh, he speaks to me in the dream and gets off the train. And this big, thick, you know, dream. And I'm like, you know, I've, I've, got, n- I've got no understanding about how to do dream interpretation. And so it happens. He's in my city. He's speaking at a conference. I go listen to the conference. And at the end, I go up to him and I just say, hey, John Paul. I, I said, I'm sure you get people coming up to you all the time about dreams. I said, but here's what's crazy. I said, I had a dream a couple of weeks ago that you had a thick, luscious silver beard. And what do you know? He's now sporting a thick, luscious silver beard. And mm-hmm. he starts laughing. He said, yeah, he said, I, just, I started growing this like a couple of weeks ago. Like, that, that's you know, so that's funny. crazy. And so I tell him the dream and he interprets the dream for me. He says, yeah, this is what the dream means. And he talks about, you know, your soul, the left soul is like your soul and the silver, the silver tape is all about redemption and just starts unpacking this dream in ways that I'd never, well, I didn't know anything about dream interpretation at the time. And that one little conversation really shifted something for me in that, yeah, like, I I do hear from God. And I don't want to say since then, but a remarkable thread of my dreams is that prophets frequently show up in my dreams. Like, mm. just this week, last week, I had a dream. We were all staying at a prophet's house, and, you know, he ministered to me. And John Paul would frequently show up in my dreams. And I, you know, that was a simple conversation. It lasted maybe two, three minutes. There wasn't of any depth. I doubt he ever remembered it, but it was a pivotal nudge from the Lord. Like, yeah, see, you, you know, you do hear, you do hear from God. That's so cool. Well, I have another Paul, John Paul Jackson. Tell me your other John Paul Jackson. Well, I was thinking about uh, one of the times that he came to Toronto mm-hmm. and we just ended up, I don't remember what, we were like the only people in the green room with him for some yeah, reason. Yeah, we had dinner with him and a bunch of our staff okay. at the time and then they'd Everybody all left, left and then it was just the three of us in the green room. Yeah, so we were just chatting and you actually were the one that was like, babe, tell him about your dreams yeah. because uh, I am an unusual dreamer for the most part. I very rarely dream dreams that require interpretation. They tend to be fairly literal uh, or very, very literal. Very literal, very literal. Yes. yes. You don't have dreams, and you're no use to me when I tell you my dreams, because you're like, oh, sorry, I'm, babe. I'm I, like, don't. I don't know. You know, so the Lord, I mean, he's wise. He gives me uh, literal dreams. That's lovely. Uh, but I also have dreams where I'm really just in what feels like a dark room, not uh, scary dark, but just there's, n- I can't see anything. And I'm having an audible conversation with the Lord. You, well, you, you describe it as you're in a dream, but you're fully awake. Yes. So you know you're in a dream because yeah. you've gone to bed and you've fallen asleep. And I'm literally like, oh, I'm dreaming. Oh, I'm in that room again. You're Hello, up. Lord. Yeah. You know. <laughs> it's a dark room and yeah. you speak audibly to God. Yeah. And he speaks back and we have conversations and then I wake up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anybody else super frustrated by those dreams? <laughs> Meanwhile, I have John Paul Jackson with a beard and a roll of duct tape <laughs> taping up my left foot, and it means something. But I, you know, anyway, so I, we were like explaining, and he's like, Yeah, the other ones, yeah, they're literal dreams. And he, then he was talking about those ones, and he said we would call those visitations of the night. Yeah, he said, Oh, those aren't dreams. Yeah, those aren't dreams. Those, those are, are visitations, visitations of the, the night. night. Like, like casually. Yeah. Like, no, no, that's not a sausage, that's a taco. And you're like, Oh, oh okay. I yeah. knew we ate it. But yeah, I visitation sure, yeah. of the night. Okay. Uh, so that was another one that was like, oh. What did that do for you in terms of of like shifting that? Like having that terminology is helpful, but what else did it do? Well, I think it just gave me an enormous amount of peace because I didn't know anybody else that was receiving or having dreams like that so and mm-hmm. i would always just say oh yeah i had another one of those dreams you know where i'm in a dark room and the, you know and uh i always i felt a little weird yeah but i'm just, i'm curious about like basically all i don't mean to demean this but all the change was the name used for it is different and yet it felt more than just learning a new piece of vocabulary it felt like something shifted for you i think Yes, because, well, visitations of the night. Well, it just, I think because it was this guy who was like the dream guru who didn't... Let's not use the word guru. Well, okay, the dream, dream expert. Dream expert yeah. uh, who didn't think it was weird. Who, yeah. who didn't, you know, it didn't face him. He was like, yeah. oh, yeah, that's not a dream. That's a visitation of the night. But it, it wasn't like he was like, 
and now we should send you to the deliverance team mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. So I think there was just a huge amount of peace on, okay, I because I, usually I just didn't talk about those. Right, because it felt odd. Yeah, and people didn't have really a grid for that. So I just was like, hmm, I think I'll just not. Hmm. God bless John Paul Jackson. What a gift. What a gift that man was. Sure. Moving away from the prophetic, I remember, I tell a story when we teach on boundaries. And it, 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 it happened on the Monday following the worst fight that we have ever had to date, I think. Okay. You, you remember the one I'm talking about? I don't know which one we're talking about. We, I mean, we've only had like a couple that are like bad. This was on the 407. I commanded you to pull over and I was going to walk home. Do you remember that? No. Oh, come on. Let me tell jog, me, let me jog me your memory. Yeah, yeah. So I've told this story before. And, and so let, let me set up the preamble, and then I'll tell you about the conversation that changed everything. The preamble is, AJ and I, in the season of our life, travel for a living. We would come home. We're exhausted. We've got a day off. It's a Saturday. We're both high planners. And so without communicating, this is like early on in our marriage. So probably our first year of marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be a first year of marriage. And uh, I wake up and think, great, I've got the whole day to just stay home and video edit. And I was thinking of this at, at, in the bathroom. Go ahead. I know right? what you're talking and about. And AJ's thinking, oh, this is so exciting. I'm going to go to the mall and me and Alan are going to have a great day. And so we both instantly made a plan without communicating it to each other. And so when AJ shares her plan with me, she doesn't realize it cuts straight across my plan. And I can't believe how insensitive she is violating the plan I haven't communicated to her. So already there's like some crosstalk. And so then we compromise. AJ says, well, honey, why don't the two of us, high quality time, this is before I was high quality time, uh, why don't the two of us go to the mall, we just get to spend some time together, and then, you know, we can come home, you can have all afternoon, all evening to yourself to just play with your computer or do some video editing. And I was like, actually, that sounds great, because the mall has an Apple store and a Starbucks, so let's do that. And so we go out to the mall, We, we have a great, we have a great time, it's about 30 minutes from our house? 40 minutes from our house? Yeah, about that. Yep. And we were on the 400, not the 407. That's where you lost me. Oh, isn't yeah. the 407 one of the transponder? It's the yes, freeway that I really like? Yes, but we weren't on that. We were uh, on the 400. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> anyway, we get to the mall, and you know, we're just great, and we're leaving the mall, and who do we bump into but AJ's cousins? And if you know AJ's story, her cousins are hugely important to her. And you know, we've been traveling, we haven't seen them forever, and so uh, you know, her cousins stop her. They're so excited to see her. The cousins are just putting a pool in their backyard. They're like ten minutes from the mall, more like half an hour. Okay, well, oh, they're yeah. close it's by. A, the yeah, mall. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. nearby the mall. Toronto. That's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. and so they're just like, "Well, why don't you come over? The kids would love to see you, AJ's nieces." And I'm looking at AJ, thinking, of course, AJ's going to say, oh, oh, guys, we'd love to, but we've already made plans. But instead, AJ looks at me like, can we? Can we? Can we? And I'm blinking her a message like, no, we blinking well can't because we already made plans to go home. And I can't even believe you're putting me in this awkward position. And so being the powerful, boundary, full man that I am, I just said, sure. But in my head, I meant, heck no. And I, my mouth is like, yeah, yeah, that would be great. And so uh, we then go our separate ways and we drive over and the whole way over to the cousins, I take the really mature response of just shutting down and just shunning AJ because she jolly well knows what she's done wrong and she needs to be punished with my silence. So I'm like, I'm furious because this woman that God put with me broke her word, completely shafted the plans that we had and now I don't get to be on my own in a dark basement playing video games and I can't believe how selfish she is. I'd like to repent for just a second. This part of the story was on the 407. Okay. Yeah, so I've... if this is when you were mad enough to get out, this was on the no, 407. No, no, it was on the way home that we were so mad. Okay. We are, like, it just escalated. And so, you know, AJ's doing the, babe, are you okay? You know, and I'm doing the, if you have to ask, you know, then there's no point in me even explaining. Like, just real mature, healthy communication, all that sort of stuff. And so then, you know, to make things worse, we get there, and I just turn on the smiles, and everything's okay, and I'm schmoozing with the nieces and throwing them in the pool, and we're having a great time, and I'm just biding the time till we can leave. And then when we leave on the way home, that's when I just kind of, like, unleash all this torrent, like, I can't believe, blah, 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 blah. You know, I'm just total victim. Like, I can't believe how horrible you are, and you blah, 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 blah. And anyway, our fight was getting so bad that I remember, you know, you pulled over. I didn't ask you to pull over. You pulled over and just said, get out! And I was like, fine! And so I get out of the car, and, and then I'm thinking, I'm going to walk home, which is 
hysterical because I have no sense of direction. And I'm on a, you know, I don't know, like an eight-lane freeway in the middle of, like, Greater Toronto area. And I don't even know which way is north or if that would even help me because I don't know if I live north of where I am right now. And, you know, we we are screaming on the side of the highway at each other. I don't remember oh, this part I at remember all. You, yeah, you don't remember? Uh-uh. So, and then we get home and we're just fuming. And I'm I'm thinking, like, you know, I know that this isn't ideal, but, like, if I had to weigh up who was at fault, it's probably 80% AJ and 20% me. And, like, yeah, did I react unkindly? I did, but it's only because she was so mean. Like, so I'm in just total victim mindset. And so we think we need to speak to our friends, Gordon and Kathy, who are pastors in Toronto and, and friends of ours. So I remember Monday we booked an appointment, like, hey, you know, because we go to church Sunday and it's frosty and it's hostile and we speak to Gordon and Kathy. It's like, you know, sorry, we can meet with you tomorrow. So it's Monday afternoon. We go into Kathy's office, and Gordon and Kathy are with us, and it is a conversation. Mm. And they're like, "Tell us the story." And so I tell the story, albeit less humorously, uh, without owning any of it. You know, like I tacitly nodded. You could tell where the story's going here, but at the point, it was like all her fault. And so I'm telling the story, and uh, you know, I finish, and uh, Kathy says, "Oh, I like I, I see. I get the problem. Thank, that's really helpful. I get the problem." Um, and the problem is that you gave away your afternoon. And she says that to me, and I'm like, no, the problem is she stole our afternoon. And she's like, no, because the way you told it, she asked you, hey, babe, can we go? And I was like, yeah, and she knew that we already had a plan. And she's like, yeah, but it sounds like she was asking you to alter the plan, and it sounds like you gave a powerful, yes, babe, let's do that, but in your heart, you meant, no, I don't want to do that. Can we please uphold our boundaries? And I'm like, exactly. And she didn't pick up the cue. She's like, oh, so the problem is your wife isn't a mind reader. Like, the notion that somehow in that story, I was to blame like, was hitherto like, like, impo- like, <laughs> impossible. And it's only because I have such <laughs> value and trust for Gordon and Kathy, I could not see how I was at fault in that story. I was literally expecting them to lambast you, and then you would go, babe, I'm so sorry, I really did deserve you, you know, going up one side of me and down the other and yelling at me, and, you know, you're absolutely right. I was was shocked that I was to blame for that, you know, and it really shifted something about, like, wow, how powerless am I in in my relationships like how much is it that i've got a revelation that i expect you to all have too and abide by my understanding of something mm. oh you expect me to actually speak up and use my voice like and hadn't occurred to me and so that was a pivotal i did not like that conversation at all and then oh my gosh talk about life giving and life changing do you yeah. so do you remember that yeah. now i remember sitting down with gordon and kathy i don't remember the yelling on the side of the you highway don't? i don't remember oh. that at all it, it, maybe i've blocked it out in maybe my head I need to it was go get the worst conversation EMDR or something no, yeah I don't. What, what do you remember about gordon and kathy's conversation like was that clearly that conversation was pivotal to me and really changed i remember how I going in and you i remember you looking at me like you're about to, oh, you know, you're, gonna you're, get about, it. you're about to hear how bad you've just been, yeah. you know, and I thought, oh, gosh, I'm about to hear how bad I've just been, you know, kind of thing, because really you told the story. I didn't even, you had, you had so much uh, passion to be pa- heard, passion to be heard. Mm-hmm. And I remember just like, again, when Kathy went, oh, actually, you know, basically you're the problem. I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> Oh, what was that? What was that? You know, because I was, I, I think I was like, uh, I didn't know what was happening. You know, like I, I remember being like, I don't, I don't know why we're this mad about. Like, yes, it seemed such an enormous reaction. Yes, and I didn't, I didn't understand your behavior. Like, I couldn't, Mm -hmm. and, and so I'm like, I mean, even if we'd gone in and they'd been like, yeah, AJ, blah blah blah. I would have wanted to work on whatever, but I remember just the relief of like, oh, good. Oh, I didn't cause the last two days of, you know, hideous behavior. (laughs) So bad. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Gordon and Kathy, for changing the course of our lives and our marriage. I remember another uh, conversation or story. Okay. From another fight. Yeah. So this was the one where... uh, Please let it be the one where you wanted to poop in my shoes. That's one. Okay, great. I think I wanted to pee in your shoes. Okay, well, uh, oh, that's so I much can't better. Remember. Yeah, but 
I had a friend who heard that podcast and they're like, if you want to know how to pee in some shoes, like, let me know and I can actually show you how you could do that, which made me laugh. Um, but anyway, uh, so I was very pregnant with Tia. Mm-hmm. I don't know how pregnant, seven, eight months pregnant. We lived in our old, old house. Lived in our the first house that we lived mm-hmm. when we moved to Franklin. Yep. And there were lots of stress. So that era is marked by so much stress. Not that that excuses anything that happens next and how unreasonable you were. But, you know, pregnancy does a lot to your hormones. So I understand. Oh, my gosh. Um, And I still don't remember what we were fighting about. Isn't that funny? Neither do I. I, I, No clue. But but I remember being furious. And I remember turning around in the kitchen and looking at you and saying, get out! Like, get out of the house! And you were like, and you left and drove away in our minivan. Yes. And then, well, now you pick it up with your. your well, having- I remember. I remember driving along Highway 96. And by the way, as bad as this is, it still wasn't as bad as the fight that we just talked about. At least in my really? head, in the ranking. Yeah, no way. And I thinking, you know, that woman was unsufferable. And I'm thinking about peeing in your shoes yeah. while you're gone. I'm so mad. Yeah, the I- woman that God put me with. <laughs> Like, you know, God, like that woman is like, and I'm thinking I'm going to punish you with silence. And that's where I'm thinking I'm just going to get a hotel for the night and not come home and not tell you where I am. This is pre like iPhone find my friend. So you wouldn't know where I am. You're going to be worried sick about me. I'm going to show you. And the Holy Spirit's like, oh, it's a great plan. How are you going to afford that? And I was like, what? He's like, you can't even afford the Starbucks that you're driving to. Like, because I was going to drive to Starbucks. We had no money. No money. Like no expendable income. He's like, so... Where are you going to stay? Like, how is this going to work? And I was like, dang, like foiled again, finances. I can't punish my wife. And so I drove to Starbucks and sat in the car park. Didn't order anything due to the aforementioned no money. Yeah. And then you decided to phone Jeff. Well, didn't you phone Jeff? I I know I did. I remember phoning Jeff. Yeah. And I just said, buddy, like, you know, I just said, I need some help. Like, I need my pastor. And he's like, what's going on? And I just told him, I said, I just had this huge fight with AJ. And, uh, you know, and here's what's happened. Like, this is growth from Gordon and Kathy. You know, I wasn't blaming you. I just said, we just had this amazing fight. Not amazing, horrible fight. I'm sitting in the parking lot. I don't want to go home. I'm so mad at her. I don't think she wants me to come home. She told me to get out. And Jess just, like, quiet. Like, you know, and then he just humorously just says, he said, Alan, you know, like, would you rather be right or would you rather have a relationship? And I'm like, I, yeah, I'd rather be right. He's like, let me, you know, let me ask you that again. Would you rather be right or have a relationship? Because the truth is, he who apologizes first wins. Yeah, that's what he said. And I'm like, I don't even know why I have to apologize for. Her. She's the one that kicked me out. And he's like, yeah, I bet if you sit with the Holy Spirit for a little bit longer, you can probably find one thing you need to apologize for. Yeah. And then I just remember, because to this day I can't remember what the fight is. How how funny is that? It's so funny, but I still remember those two statements. Would you rather be right or have a relationship? Mm-hmm. Like, would you rather sit there in your rightness, or would you rather go have the conversation that needs to be had mm-hmm. and own and work it through? And then what was the second thing that you just said? He apologizes, he apologizes first, first wins. wins. Yeah, I was just like, oh, and that's I mean that's now stuck with me for twelve years. Can't remember what the fight was about. But Do you remember, remember me coming home? Statements. I remember the slow drive back. I mean, it's like well, a quarter I of a mile. I was part of the slow drive. But, but yeah. I remember driving back to our neighborhood. Yeah. Like, it's literally a straight line. Yeah. And just thinking, uh, like, how how you're going to know I'm coming in the house because you're going to hear the, the car. You're going to hear the garage door. You're going to hear me coming up the stairs. What am I going to be greeted with? And... You know, I'm going to apologize, but I'm hurt, so I hope she apologizes too. You know, like, you know, you know when you're armed, not... You, you, you're, yeah. you're I'm going to apologize, but you better apologize yeah. too. Yeah. Do you remember how that got resolved? Uh-uh. Do you? Nope, not at all. I don't either. I remember you telling me that you were so mad you're going to pee in my shoes, and I just thought that was the funniest thing ever, <laughs> and thought, don't laugh, don't laugh. Like, this is not the time to laugh. She is heavily pregnant. I think pregnant. I was crying a lot. Well, maybe that's yeah. why I couldn't figure out how to pee in your shoes. I was heavily pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so about that, uh, I was thinking of a conversation. Or- well, no, I was thinking about, like, it's so funny that in the first instance, I can remember exactly what our fight was. Mm. And your recollection was, man, that reaction seemed way too big. Mm. And then the second f- story that we just told about that fight, which neither of us can remember what it was about. So it can't have been that significant. No, I was thinking about 
something we already knew. Like John and Carol taught us this. Yeah. That if the reaction is larger than the event warrants, the issue's not the issue. Yeah. Okay? And Chip would say, you just went home, right? That's what I was going to tell. Yeah. I was thinking about a conversation that we had with Chip, where Chip said exactly that. Like, any time that your reaction is larger than the event warrants, yeah. you've gone home. Yeah. As in... What you're reacting to. So if you think about that situation, me reacting about having to go to an outdoor swimming pool and spend some quality time with my nieces for like an hour, instead of being able to go home as the plan was, my reaction, now I know, then I didn't, was about like being betrayed by you. Now, that word betrayed is so big. Okay, so mm -hmm. I've gone home. What does Chip mean by go home? He's like, it's all about your childhood experiences. Yeah. Well, the the probably the defining characteristic of my childhood was I was not in control of how my time was spent. My mother, you know, the, not a criticism against my mother here at all, but my mother, high influencer, high, you know, museums are good for you, walks are good for you, you know, you should be social. <clears throat> so let's be, you know, let's ar arrange family walks and get togethers and go be with your friends and do anything but be indoors and play on video games, which is hard when you're an emerging nerd. Right. That's just. <laughs> I'm re I'm that that whole thing <laughs> of like me not nerd. having my time yeah. valued yeah. or me not having time to be at home with computers and videos or having a voice or and having how your a time voice. is being it, spent. It was just my childhood yeah. story. Yeah. Like and the primary woman in my childhood didn't honor my I don't want to do that. I mm. would rather do something else that has no value in your eyes. Now, the primary woman in my life is blocking the same goal. Of course, you aren't. But the story's so familiar, mm -hmm. you know. And I, I basically had a grown-up temp temper tantrum. Mm -hmm. What happened? I went home. Yeah. So even having that insight from Chip and from the guys at Sage Hill is like, oh, okay, like that's 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 pivotal. Yeah. So on the topic of Sage Hill, um, I remember one of my group leaders, Dane, him sharing. Uh, yeah, he. I remember him listening to me, like in distress and blah, blah blah blah, and and we had this conversation. He's just like, Alan, are you aware of how much oppositional energy you expend on a daily basis? And I was like, Well, first of all, I'd need a definition of yeah, oppositional energy to understand. Yeah. He said, Are you aware of like how much intention, how much effort, how much energy you're spending to not be something? And I was like, I'm not. Like, He said, I just listen to the way you talk. Like, You are so crafting your time, your speech, your energy, your interactions to not be like leaders you know who have hurt other people or authority figures who have hurt you or to not repeat the behavior of people that have you know hurt you. All of your focus is on not being something. And I'm watching how exhausting and draining that would be. And what would it be like for you to, instead of allocating all that energy to opposition, I won't be like this, to actually just being who God's created you to be? Mm. And I was like, I, I literally have, A, didn't realize I was doing that. B, literally, that makes so much sense. And, oh my gosh, now that you've said that, I can absolutely see how much of my motivation is not to become this person or not. To, now, if you think about it, all that energy is fueled by judgment. Yeah. I mean... Hopefully, like, wise judgment, like, you know, like, do I think Hitler behaved well? No, he did not. Do I want to be like Hitler? No, I do. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> that's a judgment, but you yeah. scale it down and you're just like, okay, I don't want to be like this person, that person, that person. Right, right, right. And so now you're navigating your behavior through a checklist rather than just living and staying in step with the Holy Spirit. And that that was a conversation that really helped me understand you know, I sat with that a little bit, like, Lord, what is it that is not allowing me to actually trust that you'll lead me into paths of righteousness? Yeah. Re lead me along paths of righteousness. Yeah. That I'm actually, you know, like, oh, well, which path are we going? And, you know, is it better to go here? Because that path could look too similar, like, you know, the path that this person took. And anyway, oppositional energy, that was a that was an eye-opening thing for me. And I, as I've sat with that, I am aware not only how much I exercise oppositional energy, but as I'm with people I'm mentoring and helping, I'm realizing how much we all, I yeah. don't know if it's a human condition to not be something rather yeah, than the purpose to be who we are. I'll have to think about it. All right. Well, I hope that was fun. That was fun for us, just reminiscing about the wisdom we've experienced from conversations. friends, people, conversations. Yeah. yeah. Um, I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, you probably only enjoyed half of it. 
And here's the thing. We have a membership program that you can join. And if you join as a member, you get to access video versions of the podcast. We've got little behind-the-scenes members-only extras. You get discounts on all of our products, books, and resources. And you get priority Q&A. And if you would like to become a member, you would like that warm, fuzzy feeling of joining a group of uh, very good-looking, very distinguished people... (laughs) You can do so from as little as $1 an episode. Here's how it works. You uh, subscribe at any level that you want to be, and you help support the show. And you only get billed when we publish a show. So it's not like a recurring billing. Like if if we stop, like we've just been on vacation for two weeks. None of our members got charged anything because we didn't uh, put out a video. It's a, a great way of just investing a little bit more into the podcast. We hope that you get incredible dividends from it. Also helps support the show. And it goes without saying, except it doesn't go without saying because I'm saying it, that we want to say a very, very big thank you to the members of the show yes. who help support thank you the show, very much. keep it going. We greatly appreciate your membership and your support. If people want show notes for this week. You would go to alanandaj.com slash 240... Seven. Seven. There we go. And if you have got questions that you would like to ask us, if you need clarification on anything we said, or if there's specific topics you'd like to like us to talk about, head over to alanandaj.com slash ask. All right. Have a great day. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.